Welcome to PQ Doc on Call, a podcast dedicated to current and aspiring intensivists. My name is Pradeep Kamath, and I'm an associate professor of pediatrics at Emory School of Medicine. And my name is Rahul Demania, a current second-year pediatric critical care fellow. Our episode today is dedicated to acute metabolic emergencies. We are delighted to be joined by Dr. Laurie Shilaki. She is trained in clinical pediatric genetics with additional training in metabolism. She had a dual appointment in the Department of Pediatric Emergency Medicine at Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital, as well as an appointment in the Department of Genetics and Metabolism. She currently will be embarking on a fellowship in pediatric emergency medicine at Wake Forest Brenner Children's Hospital. With that intro, I will turn it over to Rahul to start our first patient case. A three-month-old infant presents with seizures and decreased oral intake. The child is hypothermic and tachyptic. His blood gas is notable for an anion gap metabolic acidosis. Blood cultures are drawn. He is started on antibiotics and his urine organic acids, serum ammonia are both pending. Dr. Shalaki, this case highlights a patient who is relatively unstable. And one of the differentials, which I have in my mind is a acute metabolic emergency. How do you think about metabolic emergencies? How would you define it? I would define a metabolic emergency as a defect in the breakdown or the storage of the body's energy sources. And that's at the cellular level. So these are sugar, fat, and protein that the body uses to create energy. And if they're not being broken down properly, then the cells don't have the energy that they need. These conditions can be inherited, although sometimes there is no known family history because a lot of them are autosomal recessive or they can result from a spontaneous mutation. And when we think about these metabolic pathways, at times they can be so confusing and interrelated. How do these toxic products form and how does that affect children? So I like to think about metabolism and the disorders associated with it in kind of three separate categories or buckets. So one of those is a problem with protein metabolism, and that can include conditions called amino acidopathies, which occur when you can't break down specific amino acids. So something like maple syrup urine disease, where you can't break down the branch chain amino acids that leads to accumulation of those amino acids and their byproducts. Then there's organic acidemias, which you cannot break down a number of different amino acids and you run into problems with toxic metabolites, organic acids that build up due to a problem with breaking down those amino acids. So that can include methylmalonic acidemia and propionic acidemia. Finally, the urea cycle defects um, can lead to hyperaminemia, and those would include OTC deficiency and citrullinemia. Those are kind of the more common urea cycle defects that you think of. So that's protein metabolism. Then you think about fat metabolism, and the most common thing you think about for these disorders is fatty acid oxidation defects. So patients with these disorders cannot use their fats for energy 
So that would be something like MCAD deficiency or VLCAD deficiency, which just stands for the length of chain of fat they can't break down. Sugar metabolism is the last bucket or category that I think about. Um, and that can include glycogen metabolism defects. So your ability to build or break down glycogen is not working. This can cause issues with liver, heart, and muscles. Those are all organs that use and store glycogen. Uh, defective disaccharide metabolism, such as galactose not being broken down in galactosemia. I will say that galactosemia and something like hereditary fructose intolerance, these patients don't usually present with acute emergencies. They're more chronically, uh, chronically have issues, but you can see acute emergencies in the infant stage in galactosemia babies with jaundice and E. coli sepsis. Finally, defects in the pyruvate metabolism, which is an intermediate in the metabolism of, of glucose can cause lactate to build up uh, as well as defects in the electron transport chain or mitochondrial disorders, which can also lead to a buildup of lactic acid. Those could include Milas syndrome, or pyruvate dehydrogenase complex syndrome. Dr. Shilaki, uh, what are uh, some of the common uh, lab tests that we as intensivists sh should order, especially if we get a patient like this when we are on call at night? Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, I don't want to order a lot of fancy labs without uh, consulting our genetic experts, but what are some of the basic labs that uh, uh, me as an intensivist can order at, in the heat of the night? Basic labs, I would say never forget an ammonia, especially if you have an undifferentiated sick neonate. Um, urea cycle defects can present like sepsis. I would say definitely a gas looking for an and a set of electrolytes looking for an anion gap metabolic acidosis. That can be a very good indication that there is an inborn error of metabolism going on. And a blood sugar, obviously, with those electrolytes can, can tell you if there's any hypoglycemia, which can point you in the direction of a specific set of inborn errors of metabolism. And so uh, before uh, we uh, go into other definitive uh, diagnostic testing, uh, but what I think we have here is uh, uh, the, the blood gas with electrolytes, a comprehensive metabolic panel, and uh, CBC with differential. Do you think sometimes it's a good idea to store uh, one or two uh, purple tops or red tops uh, before we contaminate the patient's native blood by giving a blood transfusion or anything? Definitely. If there is the ability to save a purple top that can help in the future testing wise, because you can, you can get more specific DNA testing from that purple top tube before you transfuse the patient. So saved samples are definitely appreciated by the metabolism service. Wonderful. And now in front of us, we have a patient who we either have a high suspicion that they have an acute metabolic emergency and they are undifferentiated, but many patients may have a known metabolic defect and they're having a so-called acute on chronic type of exacerbation. In both of these scenarios, what would be your general management framework? In both scenarios, general management would be 
obviously treating the underlying acute or acute issue. So whether it's infection, uh, whether the patient is having seizures, uh, of being aggressive with the treatment of those conditions. So early antibiotics, early Tylenol Motrin, trying to get that fever down. All of this kind of goes with preventing catabolism in these patients. That's the most important thing. So being aggressive with that treatment, starting early dextrose fluids. So usually we will start with uh, D10 at one and a half maintenance. And unless the patient needs resuscitation with fluid boluses, uh, if they need fluid boluses, no, normal saline fluid boluses until they are appropriate, and then starting the D10 as soon as possible would be the next best step. You can also start them on IV lipid emulsion. That can actually add calories to them and help prevent catabolism even further. The only time you don't want to do that is in patients with known fatty acid oxidation defects because they would not they would not be able to break those down properly. Excellent. And so to summarize, it is all about preventing the catabolism. Obviously, many it, it may be a case by case scenario, but starting with high dextrose containing fluids as well as lipid emulsion and following your PALS algorithm and uh, your bedside exam are initial steps uh, for management. Yes, definitely. And the other thing I would say is you want to limit the substrate that the patient can't break down, whether it be fat, protein, or, or sugar. So keeping the patient MPO when they first come in until you are more sure of what's going on with them would be important also. Dr. Shilaki. As you uh, already know that 75 to 80% of infants and children in America actually present first to an adult uh, community uh, e uh, ER. Uh, what is your advice to our adult colleagues on the front line uh, regards to managing a patient, or especially an infant who has uh, an uh, inborn error? I would say always keep the inborn errors in mind. They can present even in older kids, you know, three or four years of age. So being cognizant and thinking about those, even in older patients, labs early can be helpful when they're acutely decompensating. If we can get labs when they're sick, as opposed to when they've been resuscitated, they're easier to interpret. So it's always helpful when those adult ER uh, physicians have this on their differential and can draw labs for it. Um, in known patients who are having kind of an acute illness uh, that's putting them into metabolic decompensation, starting high dextrose fluids, keeping the patient NPO and treating their hypoglycemia, their fever, their seizures, their infection, whatever else is going on aggressively is going to be the best thing that they can do. Okay. Is there, uh, and uh, Dr. Shilaki, I have one more follow-up question on that. If uh, some of these kids uh, can be very difficult, uh, IV access, and even, uh, you know, difficulty with getting an IO, is there like a formula that we can give them or is it best to keep them NPO? You can answer that question two ways. If the patient is, has a known diagnosis, they will have a special formula that does not contain the amino acids or the substrates that they can't break down. Even when they're sick, it's still okay to give them that formula because it's not adding to their acutely decompensating state 
if they're unknown and you're not sure what's going on with them, it would be better to keep them NPO or give them Pedialyte, something with no protein in it whatsoever. Okay. Wonderful. I think this was a great summary of uh, metabolic emergencies and can be useful in both the emergency room setting as well as in the pediatric intensive care unit. I think the take home points for today's episode is to look at metabolic emergencies in your three buckets, protein, fats, as well as carbohydrates. And the goal in terms of management is to prevent catabolism and being aggressive early on will help. Dr. Shalaki, any final clinical pearls which you wanted to highlight to our listeners? Definitely. Mainly be vigilant. Any neonate, even any toddler who has an unknown diagnosis presenting with hypoglycemia, with high anion gap metabolic acidosis, with hyperaminemia, elevated lactate, clinical symptoms like altered mental status, seizures, even sepsis should be considered to have an inborn error of metabolism unless proven otherwise. There are simple lab tests that you can order to help point you in that direction that don't take five days to come back like our labs do. Um, I would say also a normal newborn screen does not rule out an inborn error of metabolism. It's reassuring, but not all metabolic disorders are tested on that newborn screen. So continue to keep that on your differential. And most importantly, beware of late presentations of these inborn errors of metabolism. They can be seen in acutely ill toddlers who maybe have not been sick enough before in their life to present with a metabolic decompensation. These can happen in teenagers and adults as well in some of these conditions. So even without a previous history, if any of your labs make you suspicious of these, think about them further because they can present later on. That's wonderful. I think that vigilance is a great uh, take home point for uh, us as uh, clinicians. That sums up our episode today of Pick You Doc on Call on Metabolic Emergencies. We look forward to having you tune in to our next episode. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Shalaki.